Welcome to another episode of Daycare Unscripted, the podcast about educators, the bosses, the parents, the expecting parents, and what happens in between. This podcast tackles topics about daycare and child rearing in an accepting and open style. It is designed to have conversations that will enable guests to express their own opinions and perspectives with the goal of understanding and learning from one another. So without further ado, let us welcome our guest for today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Daycare Unscripted. And for today, we have a special guest. She works with me at CPE Dorval at the moment, but she has been an educator for more than 30 years. Um, Our topic for today is a bit sensitive. So just a little bit of disclaimer for everybody. I'm not a professional in children with special needs. Neither is Kim. We are going to share our experiences and, you know, personal experiences, both as a parent and also an educator throughout this podcast. So we are not here to judge anybody or to diagnose anybody or to tell you exactly what to do if you think you have a child with special needs. This is just our experience that we want to share. So without further ado, let me present Kim Soul. Hi, Kim. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so glad we figured out the technical difficulties. And wearing blue because it's it's Autism Awareness Month. I should have worn blue, but that's okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for being so patient with all these things. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Today, we are talking about children with special needs. Introduce yourself to our listeners, how long you've been on the field, your experience with children with special needs. Uh, I've been working in daycare for 31 years. Uh, I have seen many different children and uh, all kids have special needs, uh, some more than others. And it's finding those needs and uh, applying what you can to help them. Uh, They might not be diagnosed, Mm -hmm. um, but you can reach a child no matter what. It's, it's where they're at and uh, how to help them. You've had, I would say, a lot of experience because your daughter was also diagnosed, right? Yes, she was diagnosed with, uh, with autism. She's mildly autistic mm-hmm. and uh, she has attention deficit too. So uh, she was only diagnosed when she was in elementary school. Right. Um, so we, we both know being parent, you know, you cannot really be prepared. You cannot be 100% be prepared as a parent. But I also feel that having a child that is in the spectrum, that is very challenging. Yes, it is. Because uh, as a teacher, too, I saw certain signs when we adopted her. I could see that there was uh, some delays. Mm-hmm. I could see that the she wasn't making eye contact as much. So I knew there was probably something, mm-hmm. but 
it wasn't until she was in elementary school that was she was assessed and that's when she was diagnosed. So when you started seeing the signs, was it difficult in, in a parent's mind, you know, to to kind of even entertain the idea that maybe there is something going on that I that is different in my kid? Yeah. Yes, at, at times it was, uh, you kind of, I, I don't want to say grieve, but you're kind of like, I, I want, I want her to succeed. Mm-hmm. I want her to be able to do. And, and when I saw these signs, I said, Oh, this might be where she's going to struggle. And I didn't want her to have to struggle. But as a as a teacher, I knew that I could give her as much as I could mm-hmm. to help her succeed. And it's finding those resources that uh, I was able to do that. Yeah. Did um did your daughter go to daycare, Kim? Or yes, she did. She yes. did. And when she was in daycare, because we are daycare teachers, how important was it that the educate you had constant communication with with the educators that she had? that she had then with your oh, behavior I, every day. Like I, I would ask them like, did you notice this? Did you see this? Uh, and they were in agreement. Yes. But as daycare teachers too, they weren't, um, they could only verify. They could only uh, justify that they had seen that they, they had seen those behaviors, but they, you can't, um, uh, diagnose because right. you don't have the background for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And was it, how was the process in terms of getting a diagnosis and getting the support that she needed, you know, for school? It's, it's very difficult. We went privately, but you can do it uh, publicly, but then you're on a waiting list for a long period of time. And uh, privately, it costs to be assessed Mm -hmm. and then um but when you are assessed you will get uh extra help in school yeah and 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 she was able to get the extra help can you get assessed even in daycare that i'm not sure of because most of the time they wait Mm -hmm. until maturity level is there right i know they wait for the diagnosis but I've had um, I've had kids that um, somebody had come in, you know, that as a professional to take down notes about their behavior, because I believe that if they get seen by a professional and they get a, they have a plan to integrate the child in the classroom, and the child gets the support also financially from the government, right? Yes. Yes. But that takes. It's assessed time. but not diagnosed. Exactly. I think that's the defin- that that's something that needs to be clear. That the assessment does not mean a diagnosis. It's observations, right? Observations. That, the, that the professionals yeah. will see on on how the child is in the classroom. Yes. They will come in and observe and see if there's any uh, behaviors. Uh, like social behaviors, are they um, interacting well with others? Are they quiet? Do they keep to themselves? Do they have temper tantrums? 
Um, are they able to follow the group? Mm -hmm. Are they um, able to uh, stay on task? Uh, are they able to read other people's uh, visual cues? Yeah. Or adults, right? Adults like cues also. And that takes a process. So I, what would you suggest to parents who have already kind of like thinking or maybe still, still thinking if their child needs that extra support? Would you, do you, do you think, um, they should do it like a bit earlier or should they wait or should they? Oh no, the, the earlier that you can get help, the better because okay. you, Otherwise, you don't know where, what to do, like where to go. Um, you don't know what tools you need. Uh, for a lot of kids that are special needs, uh, anything that's a change for them mm-hmm. is very difficult. So if you use um, visual cues, like visual um, like photos or whatever to help them uh, know what comes next, mm-hmm that helps them because they're they're if you just tell them sometimes it doesn't process in the same way they need to see it right the pictograms the pictograms exactly. yeah is that something that you do too as um as an educator when you have children with special needs in your classroom oh yes that that helps us tremendously because then the child understands what we're doing next and it's not just them the the rest of the group benefits too because they can tell you what the next step is or the next part of our our schedule is yeah you know in my classroom it works too (laughs) (laughs) i don't think there's any age i think as an adult sometimes we still need pictograms in our day-to-day because we get often confused as to what's happening even when we talk about um you know our social cues teaching the kids about emotions. Yeah. It will help that child, but it will also help everybody else in the class too. Yeah, that's for sure. When we have a special needs um, child in the classroom, it, it really is challenging, especially that, you know, sometimes you're two and then you have 16 kids and then you, this particular child needs individualized care, needs a bit more attention than than the rest of the group. How do you guys cope with that? Or how do you handle that amount of, of stress like or challenge in the classroom? It does help to have a third person. Mm-hmm. I have to say to have a shadow in the class because then it's not just one teacher who's with that child and one teacher that's with the rest of the group. Yeah, It's nice to have so that there's two teachers for the group and one teacher for that child uh, not every uh, not every school or daycare can mm-hmm. have that or afford mm-hmm. that uh, but it does help and um, to see them have that one-on-one time you can give them more and the, that's what they need they need that more one-on-one time yeah yeah that's what I've noticed too I find what happens most of the time is because they need one-on-one and we are not able to um, give that all the time to them that they get lost in all the routines in the classroom. And that's when it 
gets a bit more challenging for them because then they don't know what's going on, right? Like they don't know which direction to go. Most of the time they would follow. Some, some of them would follow. But some of them would go into, into that tantrum mode as, you know, for lack of better terms, because it's really, they have no idea what's going on. And they're un- if they are unable to verbalize it too, then it comes out in different ways. It's usually uh, as a teacher watching them to see what they're doing. Are they doing it because there's too much stimulation in the classroom? Mm -hmm. Are they doing it to get attention? Mm -hmm. Um, Usually, I've seen in the past where some children um, will will, uh, climb Mm -hmm. because they're trying to get attention. When they start to run it in the classroom, it's usually because they're overstimulated and they need uh, a way to calm themselves down, and that's Mm -hmm. how they do it. So they need to find uh, a way to do that and they'll start to run. As a teacher, that's when you step in and say, okay, I see what you're doing. I need to help you right now. Uh, Whether that means to take a few children with that special needs child out of the room and do something calm with them. You don't have to take the whole group, Mm -hmm. but a few children that way it helps them to calm down and it also helps the other children for accepting that child and bringing them uh, into the group and teaching them about friendship, teaching yeah. them uh, what qualities that they can bring into the group. Um, just just to give you an example, teachers have such a, pre- uh, a profound uh, effect on a child based on what they even say about that child to other children, that what they hear. Uh, I had uh, one teacher uh, in particular that uh, my daughter adored, and mm-hmm. I loved her too because she, not in front of my daughter, but while my daughter was out of the classroom, um, she spoke to the rest of the group, and she said, um, she, uh, Kaylee is her name. She said, uh, we're going to help Kaylee because mm-hmm. Kaylee learns differently from you and we are going to help her to learn. So you're going to be like her big brothers and sisters and you're going to guide her. Oh. And that's what they did. And that year was amazing. And then year, a few years later, she had another teacher that uh, basically told me the til- the children tolerated Kaylee and to hear that as a parent yeah it was very hard yeah I was just I was just like tolerated <laughs> like yeah that, it, it was hard it was hard to hear that yeah. because it's like a uh you want the best for your children absolutely yeah and you want them to have social skills you want them to have that positive interactions yeah so as, as a teacher and as a parent, I see it that when they're in my classroom, I want to give them as much and as uh, the best opportunities I, as I can give them. Yeah. Well, because I've seen it. Yeah. I think that's beautiful too. It's, it's a teaching moment to, for, for you as an educator, you know, to let the children know that not everybody is the same. There will come a point 
in time in their lives that they will may not be now they might not be understand the the you know the gravity of it at the moment but like you mean i mean later on you know that value that you're telling them that there are different people in the world and that's because we are capable of doing something good for them then we should because sometimes you know i've read i've read some comments on a site i'm not going to mention the site but i've read comments on the site and it was almost kind of like um um, not an argument but like a debate as to whether the inclusion of children with special needs in classrooms is a good thing or does it take away from the children that are typical that are in the classroom you know but now that you said it kind of validates for me that no it doesn't you know like it it even teaches them more if anything right yeah it teaches them to acceptance and it teaches them empathy and kindness that's true yeah and that like giving what you can as an educator like i said you know you were talking about it earlier early childhood educators we are not specifically trained to intervene with children with special needs but just the way you put it earlier that you know just doing the best you can is enough and i like that yeah and as a parent you can do the best as you can true you know uh, as long as you're giving them your love, your attention, uh, and reach out to them at their level. That's the biggest thing because when you give them too much of a challenge, it's hard on them. But if you don't give them enough challenge, it's yeah. hard on them too. And I like, yeah, they they need to have challenges just like any other child. So how do you balance that in the classroom? I mean, there's so many different. Um, already, they learn all differently. They're all in different stages, right? Because not no two is in the same level. So, and then you have a child with special needs. Like, how do you, like, for example, if you do activities, then how do you prepare for this? And how do you lay activities that is balanced for all the children? It, it depends on where they're at. Because um, some children... Um, that just to give you an example, um, some children do better uh, where they're doing being creative, mm-hmm. and that's their strength. Yeah, and it doesn't mean a child with special needs can't do that same thing. You'd be surprised at how well and how creative they can be. That's true. But yet you put them in a social situation, and that's where you'll see big differences. Yeah, and I, and I guess it's more of. Um, having different playstations to give them different types of, you know, opportunities to present where they're good at and yes. where it could be challenging for them. Uh, they tend to go where there's a lot of sensory. They enjoy That's sensory true, activities. Yes. So um, if you have a special needs child in your class, uh, having sensory activities will benefit you because they stay more focused during that time. So there was another thing that came up in this site and they were talking about, is it really best for children with special needs to be included in, in with other children that are typically 
developing because they're saying that equal educational opportunities does not necessarily cater to what the child with special needs need at the moment. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but for example, like a child that is typically developing will be learning a particular subject, but the other child is not benefiting from it because that's not what that child needs at the moment. I think it depends um, on the child itself because you could have a child that is uh, really struggling and would benefit in a group where they're all in that same boat because then they're, they're learning from one another and they're not feeling um, that they, they, that others are going ahead and that they're failing, that they're not keeping up with the group. But then you have other children that uh, would benefit mm. from being with uh, the mainstream. So I think it depends on your child. Yeah. In can I just ask you in in terms of um, Kaylee's experience? Because was she yes. which school did she did she she mainstream yes. like she was she was in with but she had an IEP which is an individual program yeah. that uh, the teachers would adapt things for her. So if she needed extra time to do a test, if she needed a quiet area to do a test, then that's what they were able to do. Um, when it came to tests, um, she may not have to do like all of the tests. She would do like 75%, mm -hmm. but then they would grade her uh, differently in that way. Oh, what's that called? An IEP? An IEP. It's an individual education Is program. Is that applicable to every child that has special needs? They do that. For them. I this. I mean, my daughter graduated uh, three years mm. ago, so uh, that might have changed since okay. then. Uh, I'm not sure if they still have that the, uh, that type of program, but uh, in the past, that's what it's been. And that they usually have some sort of way of um, helping that child to. Uh, find success and to integrate her herself and, right and the needs yeah. that they need and yeah. in Kaylee's experience socially how how was that like with other children it was difficult for her um she had a few friends and uh uh but she learned through uh experiences mm. like um, she, we would talk about it. Like there was times where she was bullied and there was times where she did the bullying okay. and then there was consequence of what happened. Like we would talk about it and, and, uh, figure out what, what would, what could you have done differently? Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm looking at you now and I'm like, it's cause you're an educator, <laughs> but not all parents would be able to understand it that way. Right. Like that my child can also be on the other side where she does the bullying part. And then we could talk about it and then we could have consequences about it and then we could resolve the problem kind of thing. For, for her, just to give you an example, she ended up, um, she pulled another child's hair, mm -hmm. but the child was just sitting in front of her in the bus. And 
it was an impulse. Mm-hmm. It was, she said, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to yeah. hurt her. I just liked her hair and I wanted to mm-hmm. touch it. So it what the other child coming from their point of view was like, how dare you touch right. my hair? But for her, it wasn't, she wasn't doing it. It was her intention. It wasn't her intention to hurt. Yeah. So it was trying to explain to her that situation that it it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of out of her control, but it's still, she needs to know it wasn't okay. It's not acceptable. You kind of have to ask permission first, but like, can I touch your hair before you actually yeah. touch someone's hair? Exactly. Which we also teach exactly. children that are not, you know, that are not in, um, in, that doesn't have special needs. We always say, you know, before you hug them, you ask first, can I hug you? You know what I mean? It's just natural. Like you have to have the permission of the other person before you do something. Like I said, it's special needs, but it's it's you're teaching special needs but you're also teaching everybody at yeah. the same time in the classroom so it's funny it's, how I, ne- I didn't really look at it that way but now that I'm talking to you I'm like no that's true it's like every time you talk about something every time that you teach that child everybody else is looking at you all the other children are looking and how you react to them so you have to react in a way that you want them to follow you that you're modeling type of behaviors you want them to follow right which is really tough (laughs) i personally i think it's really tough to be always self-composed you know because you know we're humans we get tired there are times when you're just like up to here and and then that's when the tantrum goes on and you're like oh my goodness but then you yourself have to be very composed about it because all 19 of them is looking you know yeah my 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 view is right now is you stop You look and you listen. And sometimes the listening, you have to look to see what's going on. What's the situation? Read the situation mm-hmm. and then listen to what's going on too. Yeah. But sometimes it's, it's, it can be difficult. Oh my God. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, did you have any, I don't want to say negative, but kind of like not so nice comments or reactions from other parents in Kaylee's school when she was going to school? Or were they more or less very accepting? With- um, I would say it's kind of half and half. Okay. Uh, some parents were very accepting mm-hmm. and understood where Kaylee was coming mm-hmm. from, but I never shied away from uh, talking about it. Okay. And I think that helped because... Um, when you see a child acting mm-hmm. out in a certain way or certain behavior, um, sometimes parents would be like, aren't you going to say anything? And I'd be like, this is who Kaylee is. And this is why she's reacting this mm-hmm. way. And, and some parents were okay with it and others weren't. So you have this approach of it is what it is. This is what's happening, whether you know, you yeah. like it or not. This is the reality of Kaylee and you just got to have to accept it whether, you know, you agree about my parenting or not. But I think that's that's great. I honestly think that the more you talk about these things, the challenges, the taboo subjects, you know, as you might want to call it, the more other parents are open and more accepting of the fact or the chances that maybe you know, my child needs a bit more support and it's not always a bad yeah. thing. No, 
it's like when you you say oh well you know like you were talking about that website mm-hmm. that talked about uh you know having childs in the same classroom all together or whatever it it depends on what is needed with that child but if you just say oh we're going to put all the special needs kids in one one spot it's like you're it's almost like ignoring mm-hmm. them don't ignore them because they have so much to give mm-hmm. You can learn so much from them and where they're at and and they can teach you something. And I feel that Kaylee came into our lives because of mm-hmm. that. She's taught us a lot. Right. Patience, number one. <laughs> Patience. Patience. <laughs> That's why you're so patient. <laughs> and very soft-spoken. <laughs> I'm sometimes I'm working and I would look at you and be like, how does she maintain that kind of like, you know, like just that appearance? Like it's just like everything is so mellow. Everything I I may even made a comment. I may have made a comment saying that you know I don't think Kim gets mad. <laughs> I'm like, oh I well, I may be boiling inside. No, <laughs> but your face would still be like, mm-hmm. well, let's look at it this way. You know, like it's just so refreshing to see educators that way because sometimes not a lot of educators do it you know or can can handle that much stress and remain composed and have that composure oh it's so funny now that you that you say that it makes a lot of sense that Kaylee had taught you that much yeah and and I learned from my husband too who was special needs he had uh, muscular dystrophy and he was told as a young mm-hmm. child that um he wouldn't make it to adulthood and uh, was told that he wouldn't make it through school and he proved them wrong. He got his master's degree and uh, he traveled the world and he uh, fought for uh, uh, rights for students with disabilities. So um, never rule out a child with special needs because they can surprise you. Absolutely. And honestly, from, from based from, my experience, I don't have a lot, but based from the ones that I've had, it's amazing what they come up with. The things, and you don't even know it because you always have that, um, you don't know what's going on in their head, but the moment they say what's exactly. going on in their head, you're just so fascinated. You're like, how do you know that much information, right? Most of the times, like, I, they're so smart. They're very smart. And... Most of the time, it really is the social cues that you see first. But then once you get past that and you understand and you you kind of like just know that it will happen because of certain, like you said, there's triggers that happens and that's how they react, react, sorry, impulsely. And but after that, if you get past that, they're so wonderful and they're kind. And th- like you said, the intention is not never to hurt. It's more of like they just. Exactly. Very, very, very impulsive. How crucial is a parent's role in assessing a child and getting the child the resources that they need, whether it's in daycare or whether it's in like going to school? 100% they have to be accepting of it. When they're not accepting of it or in denial Mm -hmm. of it, that's when um, they feel that my child is is fine there's no there's no delays there's no uh, that's when um the child suffers yeah 
because they they need they need uh, extra help, and if they're not going to get the extra help, then they're the ones that will will fall behind. And so, so it's it it's really important that parents, um, yes, they need their time to grieve mm-hmm. and to because you have an ideal of what you want for your child and it may not be what you expect but it's accepting your child as they are yeah which is easier said than done right like it it yeah i really think it it is difficult but at the same time if like you said if they're in denial it gets harder for the child to get the resources they need and so what happens like how do you then talk to parents as an educator that you deem is in denial of the child situation? That's when you use your observation skills. You need to show them um, observable behaviors, not just because we, we cannot diagnose, but we can say they're not able to make eye contact. Um, They're having trouble sitting during circle time. Um, they tend to be withdrawn. Um, they uh, always play by themselves. Uh, ha- they have difficulty uh, when they're in- during transition mm-hmm. times. Um, things like that we can say. So when they go to their pediatrician and they can say, these are all the things the teacher is witnessing what do you think I should do? Do you think I need to be seen by somebody else? Do you think that they they should be uh, assessed? And then that's when they can make their recommendations to like the parents. Right? Yes, it's usually through the pediatrician. Okay, and then what happens to the other spectrum then? Like, like when parents think there's really something wrong, they're convinced there's something wrong, but then there's there's the assessment and the assessment says, there's there's nothing wrong with your child but then you still keep seeing as a parent you're like pushing and pushing but then the assessment or the recommendation is always like no we're gonna wait till it's like you know a bit that that child is a bit older or something like that before sometimes it's the maturity level of the child too yeah because you can say well a child is is having trouble sitting during circle mm-hmm. time just to give you an example um, first look at the physical aspects of are they having trouble focusing because they need glasses mm-hmm. have their eyes mm-hmm. checked uh, have their hearing mm-hmm. checked uh, are they not able to focus because uh, they can't sit still. Maybe if you give them a chair or something different to sit on, they'll be able to uh, focus better. So it's finding different ways to help them to focus. Sometimes it's if it's the book that you mm-hmm. picked, it could be too far in advance for them. So that's why if you have a special needs child and you're like, we have milestones in the right. class. So if using those milestones, milestones help you in a way that a child at that age does this, this, and mm-hmm. this. A special needs child may function at a year younger 
at their milestones. So you need to look at their milestones and where they're at and then achieve those milestones. Instead of trying to fit them in the box of a three-year-old, fit them in the box of a two-year-old because that's where they're at maturity-wise. That's where they're at cognitively-wise. And that's okay, right? That's a- and, and that's okay because who's to say they might catch mm-hmm. up? Mm-hmm. They might not. But why are you trying to fit them into they need to achieve this as a three-year-old stage mm-hmm. if you know that they're not functioning at a three-year-old stage? They're functioning at a two-year-old stage because that's where they're at. And if you reach them at their level, they will have success. But if you keep trying to put them at the three-year-old stage, they will get frustrated and they will shut down. Yeah. And then that feeling of, I'm always failing at what I do is really not, the, you yeah. know, it's not the greatest. And we want success for them. Exactly. That's when we say you always set them up for success. That's what it actually means. Exactly. It's when you're putting out activities that is, like I said before, is for everybody. It's inclusive of everybody in your classroom, regardless of whether they're children with special needs or not. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I love this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I see. I see how passionate you are with with this. I'm very passionate when it comes to like, I, I just want kids to to feel loved and accepted. It's 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 a struggle for uh it's a struggle for children that have developmental delays like but it's even mm-hmm. harder for a child that has physical delays because not every mm-hmm. facility can accommodate yeah. them which is really tough yeah. too so it and and not everybody is aware of those those like just to give you an example um when we would go to the store and people would park in the the um oh, right yeah. in front of the yeah. sidewalks that are lower okay and my husband couldn't get up onto the sidewalk being in a wheelchair and he would have to tell them could you move your van so he could drive onto but people aren't aware yeah. of it it's it's those little things that he found he always felt like he would would always have to fight for his rights to be met yeah and imagine being that so he's an adult imagine a child who's unable to advocate for themselves that's why as Mm. parents we have to do that for our kids as teachers we have to do that for the students in our class no i i I totally agree with you because if not it's Who's going to yeah, fight for them exactly. otherwise? It's the parents and the teachers that need yeah. to do that. And what is your message to um, educators out there that think they went to early childhood and, you know, have this mentality that, oh, well, I didn't sign up for this. You know, why Why am I taking care of someone that I was not trained for? I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. This is not my job. This is not what I wanted, you know, with that kind of mentality. I, I say, do you exclude others? Mm-hmm. Is that part of your 
your job description is excluding others. It's not you're you're there to facilitate facilitate inclusion. You want acceptance, and you want others to feel accepted. I would hope, as a as a good teacher, you want yeah, that. Sure. So I always want to ask my guests the same questions at the end of our episodes. And if you've listened to the other episodes, you know exactly which question I'm going to ask you. But if there's one thing that you want the listeners to take away from our conversation today, what would it be? Uh, It would be as parents to be the facilitator, advocate for your child, uh, fight for their rights, and as a teacher, uh, acceptance and know that every child is special and uh, every child has special needs. Right. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for that. That's beautiful. And every child matters. Every yes, child matters. Every child matters. Thank you so much, Kim, for being here with me today. Thank you for sharing your experiences and being so open to us and for your time tonight. Thank you, Robin. It's been a great. It's been Thank special. you so much. I hope that you guys enjoyed that episode. If you have any topic suggestions or you want to share your insight about the episode that you just heard, please don't hesitate to message me using at daycare unscripted on Instagram. Thank you again for listening and taking the time to be here with me. This is your host, Robin. Tune in again next week for another episode of Daycare Unscripted.